Praise God. Look at all of you here today. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How we doing? How many blessed people we have in here today? Yeah, some of you are not so convinced. I ask that question because we are blessed already. Amen? He is the blesser. So, I got some family business to take care of before we get into the Word. I promise you I'm going to do this as fast as possible, but it's extremely important. <clears throat> There's a family in our church called the Dobos family. It's Dan and Alicia, and their two children, Myla and Jace. Or it's Jace is older, right, Pam? Jace is the oldest. It's Jace and Myla. Awesome people, wonderful individuals. I'm sure you recognize them if you've been here in England at the time. Well... The sad thing is that on September the 1st, Dan was in a horrific car accident. You probably saw the pictures on Facebook and didn't realize it was somebody in your own church. Uh, that accident took place at Route 70 and 571. Crazy, horrific accident. And in fact, uh, we were in the hospital uh, the first hour we were there with uh, Pastor Pam was there, myself and uh, Alicia and her family. We had no idea whether he was still alive or not. That's how bad the accident was. And so uh, he's been in Jersey Shore uh, Hospital for about six weeks. And then uh, about three weeks ago, he was transferred up to JFK uh, Rehab up in Edison. And um, he's coming along. He's making great progress. And, and we thank God. First of all, we thank God he's still here. Amen. Amen. And uh, we thank God that he's making progress and, and, and noticeable progress, milestones. And so... Um, what are you telling me this for, Pastor? Because we're a family here. Amen. And we need to get behind this family and get to support this family and to make sure, here's my goal. I want to make sure that Alicia, his wife, doesn't have one ounce of stress on her worrying about finances, worrying about who's going to pay for their house, who's going to take care of, who's going to take care of their, their, their children's tuition. In fact, we've already taken that step. New beginnings, because you guys are so generous, as it is, just on a regular basis. New Beginnings has stepped in and paid the tuition on their children's school for the rest of the year so that she doesn't have to be concerned about that, okay? But we're family, and we need to all get in on this. And so over these next few weeks, starting today, we're going to be receiving offerings, a separate offering for the Dobos family, okay? Be today, uh, we did it last night, did it this morning, this coming Wednesday night. Uh, and over the next few weeks, up until the middle of November, you're going to have an opportunity to get involved in this and to make sure that this family is taken care of. Yep. Amen? Dan, Dan is very much aware of what's going on. He, he is progressing. Uh, they did, um, I don't know if I mentioned this, they did diagnose him with a very severe traumatic brain injury. And um, according to the doctors, and we know God's involved here, but according to the doctors, it could take many, many months for him to recuperate. But in Jesus' name, he's going to recuperate. Amen. Now, I don't want Dan worrying about what's happening to his wife, what's going on with his house, what's going on with his kids. I don't want them to be concerned about anything. Now, listen to me. This church is amazingly generous. Now, you figure we've got six services a week, three different campuses, I'm believing God for a monumental amount of money for us to be raised. Now, we've done this in the past in support of individuals and families, and we've raised tremendous amounts of money. I'm believing God and trusting God for the same thing this time. Now, that's part one of how we're going to support this family. So over the next few weeks, next three, four weeks, there'll be opportunities for you to give. Now, you can also do it online. 
You can go to our online giving on our website, and you'll see there's a drop down there that says Dobos Family. You can give online. You can use the same way that you give your regular tithes and offerings, either through the text or through the app on the NBC app, through the website, or obviously through an envelope here in church. So I pray that while I'm speaking, you'll go ahead and fill out an envelope. If you're making a check out, you make the checks out to New Beginnings, and then we will take the entire offering and over the next four weeks and make that. And listen to me. I swear to you before God, for those of you that might be newcomers don't know us that well, 100% of this money is going to that family. Amen. That's part one. Part two, on November the 13th, we're going to have an opportunity to come together as a church family. We're going to bring all the campuses together. On November the 13th, we're going to host what we call our family, uh, fall family experience. And every year during harvest time, during fall, we have kind of an outdoor event for the children and our families to come together and just be able to, uh, to just have a good time. This year, the fall fest, the fall family experience is going to be held at the Field of Dreams in Tom's River. Okay, that spectacular facility that's there. Uh, those that, that run the place are letting us use that. So we're going to have, um, don't we have the other thing with the other, there you go. Um, it's November 13th, 3 o'clock till about 6, I think it is. There's going to be about 20 cars that are going to be decorated, giving out candy to kids and stuff like this. Uh, there'll be basketball, bocce, baseball, mini golf, face painting, obstacle course, laser tag, game truck, bounce houses. Uh, man, if you can't find something to do that day, you're in bad shape. So that day, we're going to ask every person, every family that comes and participates to make a donation towards the Dobos family. Here's, here's how we're doing this. Over the next few weeks, it's New Beginnings Church Family's opportunity to get behind us. On the 13th, we want you still to come. And if you can bring a donation, please bring a donation then. But listen to me. Don't hold your donation till then. If you're going to give something for this family, if you're going to break it up over the next few weeks, fine. But do that now. The fall family experience is for the community to come and support this household. They're, the Dobos family is very well known in Tom's River. Uh, they have a lot of friends, but plus both places where they work have gotten behind them. Uh, 100%. So that's going to be our celebration of Thanksgiving for Dan's recovery. Amen. Okay? You got this? So go ahead. If you can give today, go ahead and give. If you can fill out an envelope, fill out an envelope. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the ushers to receive that. If you're going to go online, go ahead and do that now. Father, in the name of Jesus, first of all, we thank you for the progress that Dan is making. We declare right now, Father God, according to your word, you said that we shall declare a thing and it will be established. Well, we declare right now by faith that Dan is 100% recovered. Healed, whole, restored in every area of his life, Father. In Jesus' name, oh God, I'm asking you, Father, to speak to the heart of every individual that's here right now, God. Father, we're your sheep and we hear your voice. And I pray that you, Father, our great shepherd, would speak to our hearts and let each person know individually what part they're supposed to play. Financially, Father God, supporting this family, Father, getting behind them, God, causing them to not have any stress, any concern, Father, whatsoever. Lord, you're the one who supplies all of our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. 
And Lord, you use people to supply those needs, Father. And so we're trusting you. Speak to every one of our hearts, God. Every one of us, Father, to see what part we're gonna play. Lord, we expect, God, that this offering is gonna be according to Ephesians 3.20. Father God, exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we could ever ask or think or imagine. We trust you because you're the God of abundance, Father God. We trust you and thank you for allowing us to be a, a vehicle in your hands to express the love of God towards the Adobos family. Father, we bless you today. We thank you. I, Father, I pray that you bless every family here, every individual here. Lord, Father, it's inevitable there's gonna be somebody who said, I would love to give, but I just don't have the means right now. Father, to that person, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you would provide a miraculous extra finance to come into that household. Amen. That they would know that this was supplied to them, Father, to, to, for that desire that they have in their heart to be able to give to the Dobos family. I'm asking for over and above the normal, Father God. Miraculous giving, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. All right, ushers, go ahead and receive that offering. Those that are giving envelopes today, those that are giving anything. Again, if you're making out a check, make it out to New Beginnings because we'll take all the offerings and then give the Dobos family one check. Amen. All right, so if you guys come here to, to, to be taught today, to hear the word, a couple of people did. Uh, have you guys come here today with any expectation of receiving from the word of God? Any expectation that you're going to walk out of here better equipped than when you came in? Yes. Yes, okay, I'll keep going one more time. Had you come here with an expectation to receive something beneficial? Yes. It's getting worse instead of getting better. Yes. You know, you got to remember, I already received the offering. I can leave anytime I want now. I'm just joking. But listen, I want to start off today. First of all, we're going to talk about faith. Now, it's inevitable whenever a pastor says we're going to talk about faith, somebody goes, on the answer, you'll never show it. Somebody goes, oh, this again? We hear so much teaching about faith. Honey, as long as we're on this earth, we're going to need teaching about faith. I don't know if you noticed it lately, but we live on a crazy planet. I don't know if you noticed it lately, but our society has degenerated. I don't know if anybody else is seeing it. You need every ounce of faith that you can muster up right now to walk out of your house in the morning. Yes. Our world is, is reeling out of control. Amen. And so we, the people of God, have got to rise up on the inside and start showing an example to others that God is real that he will, he will answer the prayers of his children, that he can be trusted to supply all of our needs. Okay, now listen. Stop right there where I just, with the statement I just made. I want you to consider this fact. When God created mankind, when he created Adam, then he created Adam, Adam, he created Eve. He did not introduce them into an environment where they needed anything you realize that creation took place in its entirety and then God created man and put him in an environment where everything was already provided for. You realize that, right? Because man was created at the end of that creation week. Amen? Okay. So we can look at it this way, that man, when man was first introduced into this earth realm, 
He did not need faith for anything. He had trust in God. He had a good relationship with God, but he didn't need to believe for a steak, for a bottle of water. He didn't need to believe for anything. He had what he needed. God had supplied everything there. But then you realize, and we don't know how long afterwards, something changed. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Sin was introduced into the world. Sin was introduced into the human spirit. When sin was introduced into the human spirit, everything changed. Now man's got to toil and sweat to, to, to earn a loaf of bread. Now the very environment has turned on him. Uh, weeds show up. Thorns show up. It's, it's, not, it's not the perfect environment anymore. In fact, it's a very hostile um, environment with much adversity. Now, God could have said, hey, Adam, Eve, you made your bed, now sleep in it. Suffer, and that's it. But he didn't. He didn't. He began to work with them and began to show them that if they would obey him and if they would follow him and if they would keep their trust in him, in other words, if they would have faith in him, he would take care of them even in the midst of adversity. So what I'm saying to you is this. You and I have the ability to operate in faith because God is love and did not leave us here on this cursed planet to just be devastated by an enemy who hates us. He gave us the force of faith. You and I have the ability to believe God, to believe his promises, to trust him, and to see those promises come to pass. I need you to understand this, okay? It is more important now than it has ever been in the history of mankind, certainly in the history of the church. Why? You and I are going to have to walk by faith now more than ever. Because just like that environment became very hostile towards Adam and Eve, the environment that you and I live in right now is becoming extremely hostile to anybody who calls on the name of Jesus. And it's not just us. It's the whole world. Have you gone shopping in the supermarket lately? It's getting crazy. It's, it's to the point where it's getting obscene. It's like you want to you call the store manager up and go, is this a joke? $6.59 for a bag of potato chips? There's not even three potatoes in here. You listening to me? Now what? Well, God can supply me. Yeah, and he will. He will. Gas prices? Housing prices? It's, it's nuts. And let me tell you something. If you didn't think that faith was necessary in your life up until this point, you better wake up. You better shake yourself. If not even for yourself, for those who are outside of the faith right now, for those who not yet have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, because I tell you what, they're watching us. They are watching those of us who claim to be believers how we're going to navigate through this. You listening to me? We need faith. We need to operate in faith. Now, God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. But the fact of the matter is, God has already supplied everything you're going to need in your life. From the moment that you were conceived until the time that you step into eternity, God has everything that you need on deposit. 
It's up to you to go ahead and take hold of it, but how are you gonna do that? Are you gonna go to God and go, God, I've been a good boy today. I've been good today. God, I prayed six hours today. God, I, I paid my tithes this week. I gave offerings in church. No, that's not how we access the promises of God. We access the promises of God this way. Father, I put my trust in you. Your word says that you have already supplied all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Your word says that you delight in the prosperity of your servants. Your word says that you're the one who supplies everything, all that we need. You're the one who has all the cattle, uh, all the silver and the gold, everything is yours. And we're trusting you that you're gonna take care of us. Thank you, Father, in advance that you're a good father. What are we doing? What are we doing? We are showing faith in our God. And when you release faith, what happens? You access grace. Oh, pastor, is that true? Well, let me ask you this question. Total honesty. Who in this room can honestly say that you are born again, you are a child of God? Let me see your hands. How did you get there? You released faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and what was released to you? Grace. Yes or no? That's the only way to get into the kingdom of God. That's the only way to guarantee you're going to go to heaven. It's not because you are a good person. It's not because you gave away all your wealth. It's not because you, you spend six days a week in church. or whatever. It's, it's none of those things. You don't earn that position with God. It is gifted to you when you display faith. Yes. You got that, right? Yes. We're all in agreement with that? Yes. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. How do you think everything else in the kingdom of God operates? The same exact way. You release faith, grace becomes available. You release faith, grace becomes available. Now, the faith that I want to talk about today, and I'm not going to take long. I'm going to go through this fast, because you're going to be fast listeners, right? Yes. And you're going to cooperate. When you get to point, you're going to say? Amen. Good. Okay. The faith I want to concentrate on now is this. This is not a matter of whether God is able or God is willing to provide for us. God already has. Same pattern in the garden. He put everything in place, then he put the man in the garden. He knew you were coming to the earth. He knew you were going to be born. He knew what your life was going to be like. He's already deposited in, in an account for you everything you're going to need to accomplish what he has called you to do. Okay? So now it's not a matter of what he has. See, God, see, a lot of Christians have this crazy perspective. A lot of Christians think that God, an angel comes to God and goes, uh, Lord, Mindy needs this and that. Mindy needs a car. Mindy needs new shoes. Mindy needs whatever. And God goes, oh, okay, I'll approve this. Send it to the elves. Is the elves. And, no, honey, you got him mixed up with somebody else. There's not a toy factory in heaven. There's not a factory in heaven where they make things to order, okay? It's already been done. The Bible tells us that all the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in him they are amen. Everything on God's, God's like this, okay? Oh, man. You gotta understand covenant. The Bible that you possess is a covenant. It's a one-sided covenant. That's why you see God constantly in the Old Testament saying, as for me, I'm gonna do this. As for me, I'm gonna, it's a one-sided covenant. He does all the giving, we do all the 
taking or receiving, okay? But Christians think, I gotta pray and we'll see if God's gonna move. Oh God, I hope that you answer my prayer. He already answered that need. It's not a matter of God supplying it. It's a matter of you and I receiving what's already been supplied. Let me put it to you this way. Let's say a person uh, gets born again. Let's say last night, we had a few people here, quite a few people here because we had baptisms last night. And some people inevitably prayed the prayer for the first time. Now, they prayed, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on a cross. I believe in you. Do you think in heaven that Jesus said to the Father, oh, excuse me, because you know, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, right? Amen. You know Jesus is not on the earth right now, right? Amen. You know that? Yes. Who's here? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, okay. So in heaven, when that person said that prayer, Jesus didn't go, Father, oh, excuse me, I gotta go back on the cross because so-and-so is about to receive me and I need to go die for them. No, no, the book of Hebrews tells us he died once for all. Not only for all time, but for all people. It's done. You see what I'm saying? Everything else in the kingdom of God operates the same way. You got born again because you put your faith in an event that took place 2,000 years ago. Yes or no? Yes. We look back on that. Now, the people in the first covenant looked forward to that event. They looked forward to the time when the Lamb of God was going to show up and take away the sin of the world. So they put their faith in what was going to happen in the future, and it was accredited to them for righteousness. On us, on this side of the cross, we look back to the cross and put our faith in an event that took place already. Yes or no? Yes. Everything else operates the same way. We put our faith in that which God has already promised that he's done for us. However, you've got to receive it. You remember how God spoke to the Israelites in Egypt? He said to them, I'm giving you the promised land. I'm giving you a place. You're going you're gonna to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to eat from vineyards that you didn't plant. You're going to drink from wells you didn't dig. In other words, I provided it all for you. But what happened? They had to go take it. They had to literally walk it out. They had to march into that land, say, this is ours. God's given, given this to us. Well, guess what? Your promised land is the same thing. There is a promised land. There is a plan that God has for each and every one of us. You can't sit there and go, okay, well, you know, he knows what I need. He could do whatever he wants. No. Why? Because there's no display of faith in that. You have to get up and stir yourself up and go to the Father and say, Lord, you said in your word that you would do this or you would do that or you would, he or you would heal or you would deliver or you would supply or you would protect. Therefore, Father, I thank you. I receive healing. I receive protection. I receive deliverance. I receive peace. I receive direction from you. We're putting our, look at me. We're putting our trust in what's already taken place. Amen. You got it? Yes. But now I want to focus on this. I don't want to focus on the mountain that's in front of us. I want to focus on the everyday faith. Faith to trust him for the little things. You listening to me? Because you see, when you start training your soul, now you can train your soul. We can train our souls. Now our spirit has been perfect. If you're born again, your spirit is perfect in the eyes of God. Okay? Because there's nothing you could do. He had to declare it perfect. Because if it wasn't for him declaring it perfect, guess where we're all going? To hell. Okay? But now watch this now. 
We have to come to the place, just like they march into the promised land. We have to be able to, to train our souls to trust them in the little things. Because when you train your soul to trust them in the little things, and then all of a sudden you have to trust them for a little bit bigger, and all of a sudden you trust them for a little bit bigger, and all of a sudden you trust them for a little bit bigger, okay? And then when a mountain shows up, you go, Pfft. you ain't no big deal. Because God did this for me. And God did that for me. And when I went to God for this, he took care of this. And when, when my kid was sick, God took care of my kid. And when we couldn't pay that bill, God took care of that bill. And when I needed a loaf of bread, somebody showed up. You know what I'm saying? The little thing. Then you could talk to the mountain and say, you ain't so big. You're not such a big deal. Are you kidding me? You're not doing God's eyes. But you got to start someplace. Amen? Yes. You ready? Yes. Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 22. Exodus 15, 22. Are you with me this morning? Yes. Well, it's, it's, it just slipped into afternoon. Are you with me this afternoon? Yes. Good. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. So watch this now. We're on the other side of the Red Sea by the time we get here. They're not heading towards the Red Sea. They've already left Egypt. They've gone through that miraculous, total crazy miracle of God, gone through the Red Sea, and they're coming up on the other side. You see you, you know what I'm saying? Now listen. Don't discount what they've just experienced. Because when you read the original language of what took place at the Red Sea, it is remarkable. Because in the original language, it says that when the Red Sea parted, the water went up in walls and congealed. Do you know what congealed means? Froze, or like jello. How many make jello? Nobody makes jello anymore. There's always room for jello. <laughs> Come on, how many of you know how to make jello? Dear God, what does it take? Boil the water in ice cubes. We're not talking about gourmet meal here. And what happens when you put the, when you put the ice cubes in the jello and you put it in the refrigerator? What happens? It does what? It congeals. And that's the language that's actually used in the Bible. It says that the waters went up and congealed. And they walked through the dry ground. Well, they walked through dry ground, but what do you think they're doing when they turn this way and turn that way? Did you ever go to those aquariums when they had that tunnel you walked through? Oh, I don't like that. Because you got sharks over your head. You got one swimming this way, one swimming that way. And you're like, dear God, I hope this glass is thick enough. But that's what they walked through. Now, listen to me. That took faith. That took faith. If I was standing on the Egyptian side, and you said, you, you want me to walk where? <laughs> Through what? To how far? That took faith. And isn't it amazing how sometimes it's easy to have faith in the crazy, monumental things, but then when it comes to the little things. We stumble. We start looking to ourselves to solve the problem. Now watch this now. Follow me here. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur, wherever that is. They traveled this desert for how many days? days. Without finding any water. water. Next verse. When they came to the oasis of... Now, at an oasis, what do you expect to find? Water. water. When they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Mara, okay, which means bitter which is an easy one for me to remember because in Italian, it's almost the same word. Okay, next verse. Then the people complained. The people did what? And turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? I would have said to him, go back to the Red Sea. I'll give you all the water you want to drink. 
I'll give you water. You want water? Go ask Pharaoh how much water he drank. And then the people did what? Complain. Compl what are you complaining about? You just walked through walls of water that didn't collapse on you. And now you're worried about a bottle of water or a sip of water or whatever? That God who protected you from that, he can't give you water? So watch. Turn to Moses, and what happens? What are you going to drink, they demand? What are we going to drink, they demand? Look at what Moses does. Next verse. Next verse. <laughs> so Moses cried out to the Lord. Did Mo Watch it. Moses is so cool. Does Moses stand there and argue with them? No. no. Does he say, what do you want from me? No. What does he say? He hears from them, and he's like, I'm not taking this on myself. Watch what he does. He takes the complaint, he takes the need, and he goes like this. Here it is. Here it is. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Really, in most translations, I'm reading the New Living Translation because it's pretty easy, but in most reliable translations, it says, and the Lord showed him a tree. Say tree. tree. Now, what is a tree usually symbolic of in the Bible? The cross, okay? So Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. Next verse. It was there at merit, it was there at bitterness that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness. In other words, he used this as a teachable moment to reveal himself to them in a greater capacity. Watch this now. He said to them, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. Really, really, what it should say in the original language is, I will not put any diseases on you that I permitted. There's a big difference between God causing something and between God permitting something. Okay, you see what I'm saying? He said, I will not put any diseases that I allowed to be put on the Egyptians. Why? Because if you've got to go back to on the other side of the Red Sea, those plagues that hit Egypt, they weren't coincidental. God was judging every one of their gods. Every one of those plagues represented something that the Egyptians worshipped, and he had to humble their gods to show Pharaoh, I am the true God. Amen. You listening to me? Yes. But now watch this now. Little side note. Little side note, okay? Yes. I keep it short. Um, Go back one verse. He said, now God speaking to the people through Moses, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God. Can I ask you this question? Do we always listen closely to the voice of the Lord our God? No. Come, be honest. No. You're in church, be honest. No. Do we always listen to the voice of the Lord? No. no. And do what is right in his sight. Do we, always, do we always do what's right in his sight? No. Next one. Do we always obey his commands and keep all his decrees? No. But somebody did. Now, in that first covenant, they brought judgment on themselves because they could not do this. But now, Jesus has gone before us and he has listened to the voice of the Lord. He has obeyed all the decrees. He has obeyed all the commandments. And where are you? In Christ. You listening to me? Now, we're in Christ, so because we're in Christ and he obeyed God and we're in him, we now have access to all of those promises that were conditional 
to that conduct. You can't do it, I can't do it, but Jesus did it. Amen. You listen, you getting this? Because that verse of scripture used to stumble me, but I, I don't always listen to the voice of the Lord. I don't always do what's right in his sight. I don't always obey his command. So what does it mean? I'm gonna always be sick? No, we're in Christ. You listening to me? Deuteronomy 28 lists 14 verses of blessings that are dependent upon the same promise. If you do this, if you do this, if you do this, you do. I can't do this. I can't do it all, but Christ did. That's why it tells us that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is if you don't do this, sickness is gonna come on you. If you don't do this, you're always gonna be wanting. If you don't do this, you're not going to heaven. But he did it on our behalf. You getting this? Some of you are. Some of you are like, I don't know about this. Are you in Christ? Yes. And he's been obedient? Yes. He's without spot, blemish? Yes. He never sinned? Yes. And you're in him? Yes. So when God looks towards you, who does he see? You or Jesus? Jesus. All right. We good? So what was their problem? What was their need? What did they need in the, de- in the desert? Water. Water. What did Moses do? Did he, did he say, hey, 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 can we get about 12 guys and let's start digging a well? No. Did he go Google it to say, what do I do with bitter water? <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, but listen, this is the things that we usually do. For the everyday little things, we try to figure it out ourselves and God's going, uh, hello, did you forget about me? Don't you think I knew you were going to come to this spot in the desert? Don't you think I knew you were going to need water? Don't you think I knew that that well was poisoned? Don't you think I knew? Why don't you come to me first instead of trying to figure it out yourself? Everyday faith. Not mountain moving, but everyday. Say that with me. Everyday faith for everyday problems. You getting this? Has anybody here ever had problems on an everyday basis? Does anybody here right now have needs? Anybody here at all? Just, just that one person in the back, maybe one over here. All right, everybody else can go home. You see what I'm saying? It's the everyday faith. That's normally where we miss it. Now, let's go to Exodus chapter 16. The interesting thing about Exodus 16 is it comes right after Exodus 15. Isn't that awesome? How God worked that out? So what happens now? Now, they settled the water problem Chapter 16, another problem shows up, okay? Because we're talking about every, come on, everyday problems, having everyday faith, okay? Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Again? (laughs) Yesterday, they complained about the water. What are they complaining about today, okay? God says, I've heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening, you will have meat to eat. Because now they, they're not complaining about the water anymore. They're complaining, we got nothing to eat. What are we going to drink? What are we going to do is drink water? And, oh, like God went to heaven. Oh, my God, I forgot about it. Didn't you water anything? <laughs> in the evening, you're going to have meat to eat that day. And in the morning, next day, you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Amen? Amen. Let's see what happened. That evening... Vast numbers of quail flew in. You know what quail are? Little birds, little birds, like Cornish hens. They got that stupid thing that hangs down in the front. 
That evening, vast numbers of what, what, what flew, quail flew in and covered the camp. You know how many quail? There's two and a half to three million people. You know how many quail to feed? Unless the average guy could eat probably three of them. They're little things, okay? But watch this now. Did it show up on the plate with the little gourmet carrots and the little chive thing on the side and that little smear of salt? Did it show up like that? How did it show up? It flew in. What do they got to do? Grab as many as you can, slaughter these things, pluck the feathers off, clean out the guts, cook it, and then put it on a little dish with a little carrot and a little. They had to do something, right? Yes or no? So they had to cooperate with what God was supplying, yes? Had a guy one time, a long time ago. Thank God it was a long time ago. Because I, I can remember the incident, but I can't remember the face, thank God. First, a guy comes up to me and goes, I'm going to quit my job. I said, what are you going to quit your job? Well, you taught us that God's going to supply all of our needs. <laughs> then I shouldn't have to work. And this hand went like, like I was getting ready, like, Shh. And I'm like, you're serious. Well, yeah, I shouldn't have to work if God's going to supply all my needs. I think that same spirit's gotten into our government. All right, I'll move on. That evening, the vast numbers of quail flew in. Go like this. And the next morning, around the camp, was wet with dew. So, so he supplied the meat to them, right? It flew in by itself. They ate, they took, they did what they needed to do, they ate. So they released their faith. How did they release their faith? By catching the quail that showed up. They didn't sit there and go, oh, here goes another one, there goes another one, there goes another one. I'm waiting for the, one with, I'm waiting for the barbecued one to come. Yeah. What did they do? He said, you're going to eat meat tonight. What did they have to do? They had to take hold of it, right? Okay, you getting this? Is this too much for us today? Or? Okay. So when the dew, next morning, what happens? They wake up, there's this dew. There's something on the ground, obviously, that they'd never seen before. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. And the Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. Now, what did he tell them? I'm going to send you meat, and then tomorrow I'm going to give you all the bread you can eat. Carb fest. All the bread you can eat. And the Israelites were puzzled when they saw it what is it? Now, what is it is the English translation of the word manna. Manna is Hebrew for his, what is this? So like when you go to somebody invites you to the house and they put the dish in front of you and you look at it and you, on the inside you go, manna. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> and so they asked each other, what is this? They had no idea what it was. And Moses, Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. Next verse. These are the Lord's instructions. Now, when we're trusting God for something, when we're in need and we're believing God, it rarely shows up on the plate with the carrots, with the little smear of, of, of sauce, whatever it is. It rarely shows up. There. Every once in a while it will, but for the most part, he sends you the resources. And with it, he gives you instructions. Lord, uh, I, got, I need more money coming in the house. How am I going to do this, Father? Very rarely 
Does an angel show up and go, uh, here, you know, I was there and God told me to bring you this. I'm talking about real angel. Now, God will use people. And God will use people. And turn to somebody saying, God will use people. But listen to me. Instructions come as an answer to prayer. These are the Lord's instructions. In other words, here it is, but here's the instructions. Each household shall gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some gathered only a little. But when it measured out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. Those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just enough what it needed. Because don't you know that God knew how many families were there, how many people in their families, okay? They knew if they had teenagers, they better double up, okay? Each family had just what they needed. Then Moses told him. Now, remember, there's instructions. Then Moses, Moses told him, do not keep any of it until the morning. In other words, you get enough for today. You get enough for today. But some didn't listen. You know, there's people that don't listen to God's instructions sometimes. Could you imagine? Imagine there's people that don't listen to God's instructions. Okay? And some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. But by then, it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell, and Moses was very angry with them. After this, the people gathered the food, say this with me nice and loud, morning by morning. What are we talking about? What's the topic today? Everyday faith to meet everyday problems. Every day. Each family according to its need, and as the sun became hot, the flakes that had not picked up and melted disappeared. Now, every day. Now, that manna, that manna is symbolic of God's grace. You realize this? That manna is symbolic of God's grace. In fact, later on, when they build the Ark of the Covenant, you remember Indiana Jones? How many know what I'm talking about, Indiana Jones? Okay, that, that's not, I mean, the movie wasn't true, but there was and is an Ark of the Covenant, Okay. And God gave them instructions to build this thing. And in that ark, he told them to put the Ten Commandments, the tablets. He told them to put uh, this, this stick that Aaron, that belonged to Aaron, which is the way they proved who Aaron was supposed to be the high priest, because this dead stick all of a sudden bloomed and grew almonds on it. So they put that in there. And they said, God told them, put a pot of the manna in that box that they carried around from that point forward. Well, obviously, the, the Ten Commandments represents the law, or the word of God. That branch that budded represents the miraculous power of God. And then that pot of manna represents the grace of God, all the components of our relationship with our Father in heaven. Amen? Amen. Now watch this now. The purpose of the manna, this is important. You've got to get this. The purpose of the manna was to provide nourishment, right? right? It nourished their physical bodies. But watch this now. The method of delivery was to establish trust and dependence on God. Amen. Now, could not God, if he wanted to, give them a week's worth? Yes. Sure. But what did he do? How did they have to collect it? Morning, morning by morning. Every morning, watch this now. Every morning, the Israelite would have to wake up in his tent, 
and, and say to himself, I'm going to get up, I'm going to walk, walk outside, and I'm going to trust God that that manna is going to be there for today. Every day, that person had to wake up in their tent, sit up, and say, I'm going to trust God that when I get up and walk out of this tent, put my little sandals on, when I walk out of this tent, there's going to be manna. Don't you think that the enemy of our souls would have instilled in some of their thought process while they're sleeping at night, man, you were bad yesterday. You didn't do good. You didn't talk to your wife right. Man, you didn't do good. You, 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 you didn't follow God's uh, commandments. You didn't do this. Oh, you have no expectation to find anything out there this morning. Don't you think there were some that, had, that woke up during the night going, oh, man, I hope it's out there. I hope it's out there. I hope it's out there because we don't have any left from yesterday. We can't keep any from yesterday. I'm, no, no, I'm putting those thoughts out of my head. No, no, no. You are Adonai. You are the Lord God who provides for us. I am trusting you that when I walk out of this tent, that man is going to be there. What did they learn? Everyday faith. Don't tell me that some of us don't wake up in the middle of the night and think and, th- and have to battle with those thoughts. Man, is this really, are you really doing the right thing? Man, is this really, are you really, do you really think that God's gonna provide your needs? You really think that God's gonna, God's gonna supply that car payment? You really think God's gonna, you know, your mortgage went up because your taxes went up or you just bought a new house and you paid 150 grand more than you should have paid for it? Don't you think, don't you think that the enemy of our souls is gonna do, try to do the same thing to us? And what do you have to do? You got to lay there or you got to get up and you got to go, no, 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 no. I am trusting him. He said he's going to supply my needs. I'm not listening to these thoughts. I'm not going to make decisions based on these thoughts. I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to put my feet on the floor. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go brush my teeth, do what I got to do. I believe that he's going to supply whatever I need for this day. What What do you want to call that? Everyday faith for everyday challenges or problems. Listen to me real quick. Can I talk to you from my heart, from my, our experience? 1990. I said 34 years old. Could I have been 30? Yeah, I would have been 34 years old. Yeah, everybody's going to. Yeah. <laughs> I'll save you the trouble. I'm 66, okay? 1990. I realize. I'm going to have to go into bankruptcy. The business, it's just no matter what I did, the business just wasn't working. Plus, some of you are old enough to remember 1987. In fact, 1987, when we say 1987, there should be that organ in the background. No, 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 no. 1987, a recession hit. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was bad. <laughs> Stupid me, I decided to go into the restaurant business in 1987. Well, back in 1987, restaurants suffered terribly because people, not like today, uh, people still had the mindset, well, I'll just cook home because I can't afford to go to the restaurant. No, today, we go to the restaurants and just put on the charge card. (laughs) But back then, it was called luxury spending. So one of the first areas of our economy that suffered really bad was restaurants. Guess what business I was in? Restaurant. So we took a major hit, major hit, and really, by 1990, you realize we're not pulling out of this. Uh, we're losing everything. That's it. We're just going to just... So now, now I'm faced with the everyday, how am I going to feed my family? I got a wife and I got four kids. And our four kids developed a really bad habit throughout the years. They like to eat. <laughs> they liked, and they're all boys. 
And at that point, three of them were teenagers almost already. Oh, Jesus. So now I've got to face all this pressure. We're going to lose our house. We're going to lose the business. Vehicles are going to get repossessed. I don't, at that point, I don't know how to do anything else. So I'm dealing with all these problems, dealing with all this pressure. And I had to develop this everyday faith. When we shut the business down and just they took away all the equipment, repossessed everything, I had to now for the next couple of years until 1992, from 90 till 92, was September 90 till 92, I had to every day trust God that either somebody in my family was gonna have work for me even if it was just for a few days or whatever, or I was gonna find some way to do it. Remember, um, it was just a mess, okay? But now by 1992 comes along, we're seeing God move on an everyday basis, okay? We had the, the idea, many of you have heard me share this before, uh, we said, well, we'll just move to Florida because that's what everybody does. Florida exists for everybody to go to to think they're going to get away from their problems, but there's only one problem. When you go to Florida, you take you with you. And so that's why you're constantly seeing people back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because everybody thinks, you're going to go to Florida, there's a big rainbow there, and you get on the other side and just rain skittles. You know, everything is just, everything's perfect. So we came up with this idea, we're going to go to Florida. All right, I'll try to make this as quick as possible. And then we came back, we were there for two weeks, came back, went and sat with my pastor, and I said to him, well, you may have heard the rumor that we're going to be possibly moving to Florida. I think maybe I can make a go with the business down there. There's a lot of Italians down there. They like to eat, so maybe we make a go with this. And he said, well, maybe this is going to change your mind. Now, this was the last week of August. School year is beginning, and our church at that time had its own Christian school, and our kids were enrolled in it. He said, well, maybe this will change your mind. I opened up an envelope. He slid across the desk, and somebody had paid the tuition for all of our kids for the entire year. So I said, I guess I'm not going to Florida. God, God wouldn't have instructed somebody to pay for the tuition for the coming year if we were supposed to move to Florida. So that's how we stayed here in New Jersey. And so now 1992 comes, and now God gives me the ability to go back into business on a much smaller scale so that I can take care of my family. Everyday miracles, everyday miracles, everyday miracles. Little miracle here, little miracle there, but our needs were supplied, okay? 92, we open up the last business. Yeah, last one. Yeah, we open up the last business that we had that we sold when we went to Bible school. So now 94 comes. Now God's put it on my heart, time to go to Bible school. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I just started taking a paycheck. The business is just now improved enough for me to be able to take a paycheck. I can finally support my family. Uh, I'm not having to trust you for every little thing. I said, what if I get to Bible school and it's really not your will? What if I make a mistake? What if I fail? What if I let my wife down? What if I let my kids down? What if, what if, what if? Anybody know that song? How many of you have sung that song to yourself, the what if song? Okay. So now I I realize now it's out. So we got to go to Bible school. Go to Bible school. We sell the business. Uh, at that time, the business had really increased a lot, and it was really hard to let go. But sometimes God puts you in a position where you've got to let go of something to take hold of something else. Amen. Learn that lesson. Don't be afraid to let go of something if that's what God is. If God's moving you, don't go. Because if you're letting go in faith, you're going to receive in grace. Amen. Okay? So I said, okay, I've got to do this. I've got to get rid of the business and, and sold the business off. But now here we are now, three months before we're going to graduate Bible school, and come back to New Jersey and start this church, the guy we sold the business to decides he's not going to pay me anymore. 
He decides he's not gonna send me money anymore because we had an arrangement made where every week we would go to the ATM shit. Remember that trip? Every Thursday, we'd get out of class. You, you came with us a couple of times. Every Thursday, we'd get out of class, go to the bank, which was right up the street where Pastor Pam used to work, go to the ATM, put our numbers in, and they would put our money from New Jersey. They would put the money in, so we would take the money out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and be able to feed our family. So we go there this one Thursday, like, <laughs> what's going on here? There's, there's, it's, you know, anybody know this? It's like, there's nothing here. What's going on? So we get home. I call up, and well, uh, the business is not doing good. And we can't send you any money. I'm in Oklahoma. I'm in Tulsa, tumbleweeds outside of town, you know? I got a family to take care of. Again now, another season of everyday faith for everyday problems. And all of a sudden now, checks would start coming in the mail from people who had no idea what was going on in our life, people that we hadn't seen for years. Our boss, that we worked in a supermarket out there, our boss paid for our last few months' tuition to go to Bible school. Now, I got to go the, to the Christian school where my kids were at, the full four in the Christian school uh, out there, because they were used to Christian school here, and I want to take them and put them in a different environment, but it was extremely expensive, extremely expensive. And so now I've got to go talk to the principal, the administrator of the school, and tell them, oh, I can't pay their tuition. Please, don't make me take my kids out of school. I've only got a few months left, I promise you. If you'll let me, I'll come here at night. I'll clean your bathrooms. I'll clean the offices. I'll do whatever I can. Just please don't put my kids out. He said to me, you don't have to worry about that. I brought our bank books. I brought our checkbook. I brought the contract of sale for the business. Showed me, I said, look, the guy stopped paying me. I don't, I have, we've been living on this money the whole time we've been in Bible school. He said to me, is your Bible school tuition paid? I said, yes. The person that paid it just a few days before. It's good. You go finish. He said, we've been watching your family for the past year and a half. And we recognize the hand of God on your family and yourself and your family. Go graduate Bible school. Go back to New Jersey. Go start your church. When God blesses you in the future, if you have a little bit extra, then send us something. Amazing miracles, one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. Everyday faith for everyday problems. You hear it? You're listening to me. Okay? So now we come back to New Jersey. Now we got to start another uh, season of everyday faith. Why? Because now I've obligated myself to start this thing called New Beginnings Christian Fellowship because that was the original name of the church. New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. And now the what ifs, the what ifs. My stomach is in knots. I'm not sleeping at night. What if I haven't heard from God? What if nobody shows up? What if, what if we don't have any money to do? What if, we, what if we can't even start this church? What am I going to do? How am I going to support my family? How are we going to do this? What if, what if, what if, what if? And then the night before we started the church, we started the church on September the 14th, 1997. On September the 13th was a Saturday. At 10 o'clock at night, I'm walking down the hallway in the house that we were renting. I'm full of anxiety because, I, now I wasn't sharing this with my wife. I wouldn't share it with anybody. I'm walking down this hallway from our bedroom over to where the kitchen and the living room are. And as I'm walking through there, I feel something like, you ever have like a, a any of you have like big fluffy bathrobes? You know what I'm talking about? Those big, heavy, fluffy ones? It's literally felt like somebody threw this blanket on, like this, this robe on me, and I went, oh, man. I turned to my wife and said, I could pastor now. I could, literally, the mantle, the anointing to pastor just went, Phew. I went, we could do this. We could do this. Next day, started the church walk. 59 people showed up at the first service. You've heard the story. I don't need to go through it. 59 individuals, so shocked as I, I turned to her and went, who, who are these, who told them? How? 
And it never went backwards from there. 59 adults, 59 people showed up for the first service. And we can do this. We can do this. Every day faith for every day miracles. It's in the small things. Now, what happens to us is we're afraid to trust them with the little things. We go with the mountain. When the mountain shows up, we go to God because it's like, I'm not even going to attempt this. But when it's the little things, we try to figure it out ourselves. We try to go raise whatever we can as far as finances go. We do, and there's sometimes that God will lead you in certain directions, okay? But the fact of the matter is when the people needed water, they came to Moses. What did Moses do? Moses went, oh, we need water? God, your people need water. We need water. He didn't take it upon himself to try to figure it out. You listening to me? When you're faced with challenges, the evidence of having an intimate relationship with God is the fact that we'll go to him with every little thing, not just the big giants that show up or the big mountains that show up or the death sentence from the doctor. We'll, we go to him with every little thing. Father, you're my father. I need this. I need this to be taken care of. Lord, I'm trusting you. I know that you said you're already gonna supply all my needs. I know that you're here for me. You said I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But let me just share, last scripture, and I promise we're done. I promise we're done. Last service, I went way over. But I promise, one more scripture and we're done. When I, when I found out that our resources had been cut off and the person we sold the business to was no longer gonna send us any money, I went to class that morning and I'm sitting there, my head is like, you ever feel like you got gnats flying around your head? Because I'm like, we're done. I gotta, I'm going to have to quit school and go back home and try to work or take the business back, right? So I'm sitting in class. I got my jacket, my tie, my briefcase. Oh, because, you know, they had a dress code back then. You had, a, you had a dress. You had a dress like as if you are a minister. Okay. That was then, not now. So I'm sitting in my seat. My wife is sitting next to me. And open up my briefcase, and I find... This little amplified, you ever see like the Gideon Bibles, the little ones? But it was an amplified Bible. I don't know where it came from. I don't remember ever having it, but it was in my briefcase. I don't know how it got there. I open it up, and it opens up to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Amplified version. You know what's unique about the amplified version? You know what it does to the word? It amplifies it. Watch. And here's what I read. Now, my head's buzzing. Now, I had already said to my wife, I don't care if we have to sell everything we own. We're finishing Bible school. But in my head, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Right? Let your character and moral disposition be free from love and money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. And be satisfied with your present circumstance and what you have. Just stop for a second. Go back, please. If you don't get to the place where you're okay with where you're at, you're not going to get to the next part of this verse. The Israelites complained, grumbled, moaned, criticized constantly, and that undermined their ability to believe God for the miraculous. But when you can get to the place of like, Lord, I'm good. We have needs, but whatever you want, it's up to you. I know you're going to take care of us. I know you're not going to forsake us. You have to have that attitude of heart. You can't go to God going, I can't believe you got me to this point. I can't believe that we got to. I can't believe that we have no food. I can't believe that my car's broken down. When you start doing that, 
Don't even go any further, okay? Watch this now. Next verse. For he, God himself, has said. Is going to say? Has what? Has said. So this is an established fact, right? I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor leave. When I saw the nor leave you without support, that jumped off the page. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree, degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. We're told by Greek biblical scholars that when you see that will not, will not, will not three times, basically what it means is it's absolutely impossible for God not to do what he said he's going to do. I took that verse, I stood on that verse, I said, in Jesus' name, we're finishing Bible school. In Jesus' name, we'll have what we need to go back to New Jersey. We're starting this church, and God is going to bless the people of New Jersey. But watch now. I couldn't get to that point if I hadn't started back in 1990 with trusting God for the little things. Everyday faith for everyday problems. Are you getting this? I hope this has helped you. I hope that you'll walk in the truth of these things. Now listen, we gotta leave. It's late. The children's church workers are probably over there going, what is he doing today? Okay, you gotta go pick your kids up. We have to leave. I believe we've accomplished what we needed to today. Listen to me. I don't know individually what all of us are going through. The Holy Spirit does. But I will tell you this. If you will trust him with the little things, you'll see the success in the big things. Amen? Amen. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. If not, God bless you. Go enjoy the rest of this weekend.